My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. Excuse me. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Let's pray. Father, I just repeat the words of Christ, your son, when he prayed. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. May you pour out a spirit of wisdom and revelation upon us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, so we're in Proverbs. We're looking at wisdom, something that we all need, something that we all need always, Um, perhaps especially in the evil day in which we uh, live, I would suggest we need it all the more. Paul said in Ephesians 5, walk then not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. So in an evil day, we need wisdom. We need to make sure we're walking not as unwise, but as wise. Think of it this way. There are two fundamental ways to walk through life, either as a wise person or as a fool. Unless God has mercy and turns our society around in the near future, I think we're going to feel a more acute sense of this need of wisdom. And so the last two weeks, we've been trying to lay a foundation Um, And then we're going to jump into some very, very practical issues regarding wisdom. So two weeks ago, I defined wisdom. And I defined wisdom this way. I said wisdom is taking God's instructions on how to rule and govern our lives and applying it to all of life. So wisdom is is applied to every area of life. There is not one area of life that we should be excluding wisdom from being applied to it. Maybe another way to put it is wisdom is the skill in understanding how to govern our lives in a way that achieves successful outcomes for God's glory. And then we saw how it all begins with the fear of the Lord. It all begins with fearing God. You can't get to first base in wisdom without the fear of the Lord. And fear is this reverent love and delight in God so that we fear disappointing such a good and glorious and loving Father. Last week, we looked at the last 13 verses of chapter 1 and the call of wisdom. And if you remember, wisdom is like a woman calling in the streets, right? Crying out to not be content being foolish or simple any longer, but to come and receive wisdom's great blessing. And so today I want to turn our attention to lessons on how to gain wisdom. How do we go about getting wisdom? And like I said, we're going to focus almost exclusively on verses 1 to 6, but I do want to look briefly at verses 7 to 22, just very briefly, like, like 30 seconds brief, okay? Um, because verses 7 to 22 tells us that God's wisdom preserves and guards and delivers us from the ruinous ways of evil men and women by guiding us on the path of what is good and righteous 
so that we may live a truly blessed life. And that's what we're, that's what we're after, right? And, and as Christians, we are not Gnostics. We do believe that God's creation is good and that we are to enjoy and live blessed lives in these bodies, in this world while we live. Of course, it's a certain kind of blessed life. It's a, it's a life blessed by walking in God's ways. So verses 7 to 22, very briefly, says those who receive and walk in God's wisdom, it says God will be a shield for them, verse 7. It says God will guard them, verse 8. It says in verse 8 also that God watches over them. Verse 12 says that God delivers them from evil men. Verse 16 says God delivers them from the, from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress. We might say sexual sin. Verse 20 says he guides them. God guides them on the good and right path. Verse 21 says they inhabit the land. I think when I read that, I thought of the fifth commandment and how Paul speaks of the fifth commandment in Ephesians 6. He says, uh, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That life would go well Think about, kids, have your, your parents ever told you that, hey, listen, just, just obey. Life will go so much better for you. And who knows, you might live longer too. <laughs> you probably will. So there is certainly is a kind of wisdom that's from this world. This wisdom may sound good. It may seem to work for a short period of time. But in the end, it always leads to trouble and destruction. So who, who here has ever read the book Pilgrim's Progress? Okay, who here has ever heard me talk about it? That's everyone, okay. All right, Pilgrim's Progress, if you haven't read it, you've got to. It's before you die, you have to read that. So there's a scene where Christian, the, the main character, comes out of this bog, this slough of despond. And he fell into this slough because he wasn't paying attention. He was with another man named Pliable. They fell in. He finally gets out. And he starts back on the path that evangelists told him to go down. And he runs into a man. Anyone know the man's name? Mr. Worldly Wiseman. And Mr. Worldly Wiseman sees Christian. He sees that he, is, he seems to be burdened and troubled. And he says, what is going on? What, where are you going? And he said, well, this man named Evangelist told me to go on this path. And, and Mr. Worldly Wiseman said, don't you know that path is full of trouble? and possibly even death. And Christian said, anything to get rid of this burden on my back. And Mr. Worldly Wiseman said, ah, well, I've got a way to get rid of that burden in a much easier way. And that is how worldly wisdom comes to us. It seems much easier than the path of following Christ. We need to remember the words of Jesus when he said, broad is the gate, and easy is the path that leads to destruction. Matthew 7, 13. We want God's wisdom, right? Wisdom that comes from above, not wisdom that comes from below. So verses 1 to 6 gives us two fundamental lessons for how we gain wisdom. And then when we gain it, we want to walk in it, okay? So two fundamental lessons lessons for how to gain wisdom first, okay? Wisdom comes from a loving father. And second, wisdom comes to 
children who seek it. Okay? So wisdom comes from a loving father. Wisdom comes to children who seek it. First, wisdom comes from a loving father. Look at the first two words of Proverbs 2. My son. These two words are not throwaway words. Certainly no, no, verse in the, no, no word in the Bible is. These words most definitely are not. They're not spoken at random. They are not without meaning in the least. Of course, the human author of Proverbs, or most of the Proverbs, is Solomon. He's speaking to his son, Rehoboam, and he's speaking to his son that he loves. But the divine author is God, and he is speaking to us as his children. It is the Father's voice that speaks to us here in the Proverbs. Isn't that stunning? Amazing. Many, many, many clamor for a word from God, to hear the voice of God. And when I read Proverbs 2, let me ask you, do you hear it? Because he's speaking to us. He addresses us as sons, as sons and daughters, as his beloved children. Our Father speaks to us. Verse 6 says, From his mouth, speaking the Lord, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. From the very mouth of God comes knowledge, understanding, wisdom. Our Father speaks his words of wisdom to us. And this reminds me of what I think is probably the Apostle Paul's pinnacle teaching about Scripture, about the fundamental nature of Scripture, about the essential quality of Scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16, where Paul says this, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. What are the scriptures? In their essential quality and nature, what are the scriptures? The scriptures are God-breathed. God opens his mouth, as it were, and exhales, and we have scripture. And so Proverbs 2.6 2, says, From God's mouth come knowledge and understanding. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, All scripture is breathed out of God's mouth. Brothers and sisters, we have God's book of wisdom in the scriptures where the Father speaks to us and gives us his wise counsel. It's through the scriptures that our Father speaks and imparts wisdom, understanding, instruction, knowledge. Now, I, I don't doubt at all that God communicates at times in unique ways. However, I do highly doubt that he would communicate that way to someone who forsakes the Bible or someone who sees the Bible as some kind of second-rate communication line from God. It most certainly is not. Think about how blessed we are to have the very words of God written. We're massively blessed. Here's the wonderful thing about having God's divine revelation for us in Scripture. Think about it. We have, God speaks in Scripture with clarity. 
Think about that. God speaks with clarity in Scripture. I'm wondering if anybody else has ever experienced this. Have you ever heard someone who is claiming to speak for God, channeling a message from God, and you thought to yourself, I have no idea what they're saying? Has that ever happened to you before? They're just stringing a bunch of words together. God's word is clear. Theologians call this the perspicuity of God, that God speaks in his word with clarity. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we understand everything, but God expects us with study and thought and meditation and prayer and the help of his spirit to understand what he says in his word because he speaks with clarity there. But there's something else. In Scripture, God also speaks with authority. You could put, before anything the Bible says, you could put the phrase, thus says the Lord. Amen? You with me? Okay, so God speaks in his word with authority. What he says is final. What he says, he says as one who made the heavens and the earth, who sustains every star in the galaxy and every subatomic particle that you can't see, who sustains you at every moment of every day, this is the God who speaks to us in Scripture. What he says is not up for debate. He is the final authority on all, life, on all matters of life and godliness. There's no knowledge hidden from him, for it all comes from him. He knows the hidden thoughts of man. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our temptations. He knows the psychological makeup of every person here. He knows it all. The Library of Congress, with its 173 million items in the library, is a drop of the bucket, drop in a bucket, maybe a drop in the ocean in terms of authoritative knowledge compared to our God. We are called to listen then to God attentively and receive humbly and believe and obey what he says. Finally, in Scripture, God speaks what is good for us. When he says, my son, my daughter, my child, we, we need to hear him as a father who has good things for us. He speaks what is good for us. What is it that our father speaks in Proverbs? Wisdom something we all need. Verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He knows what's good for us. Truly, when it comes to God, Father always knows best. He is the all-wise God, and as such, he always speaks what is wise and good and right and trustworthy. He never speaks what's crooked, what's evil, what is abominable, never. Proverbs 8, 6 to 9 says here, again, this is God speaking to us, here and I will speak noble things. From my lips will come what is right. From my mouth I will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. So, when we realize that our God is all wise, the only wise God, that he speaks with clarity and authority and for our good, that he's our father, 
who loves us and cares for us and wants to give us good things, namely in the Proverbs, wisdom, how ready should we be? How thrilled should we be to receive his wisdom? But how often we don't. How often we spurn it. We turn away because we know better. Or we don't think it's good for us. Or we think that God's just trying to reign in our parade. Or, or because we feel so strongly that we're right. I had a good friend I was in the mountains with one time. And we were hiking. And we had lost our way a bit. I don't think we were in real danger. And... Um, and I had a compass, and my friend had a gut feeling. And his gut told him we had to go one way, and the compass said we had to go another way. And he was confident that he knew which way to go. Eventually, thankfully, he relented, and we went with the compass. God's wisdom, God's truth is the compass. It always points us. I mean, compasses could be wrong, I suppose, but God's word is always true, and God always speaks what is good for us. When out, we need to cultivate our hearts to hear God, to, excuse me, to hear the Father speaking through the scriptures and to hear with an eagerness to believe and obey what he says. So over and over again, the Proverbs, right? Just like Proverbs 2.1, it entreats us to hear our Father speaking. Proverbs 3.1 says this, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandment. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Proverbs 7.1 says, My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments. Proverbs 23.26, I love this. It says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Now, if you're a girl or a woman here, then you ought to hear the Father say, my child, right? My child, entreating us, calling out to us. Wisdom comes from the mouth of our wise, loving, good Father, which he speaks to us primarily from his word, the scriptures. And that's the, that's the first and fundamental lesson we need to learn. The second is this, that wisdom comes to children who seek it. Wisdom comes to children who seek after it. Verses 1 to 5, I think, make it pretty clear that wisdom does not come to those who just passively wait for it to float down from the sky upon them. It comes to those who seek to obtain it. Listen to verses 1 to 5 again. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Wisdom comes to those who Seek it. Now some might say, but why doesn't God just sprinkle wisdom on us whether we seek it or want it or not if he knows we need it? 
To which I would respond with another question, which I know you're not supposed to answer a question with a question, but I think Jesus did it, didn't he? So yeah, we're in good, I'm in good company, all right? So I would ask this, why on earth would God give something so precious to someone who doesn't care about it? To someone who doesn't, couldn't be bothered to seek it. Jesus gave a proverb in Matthew 7, 6, when he said this, Do not give what is holy to dogs. And do not throw your pearls before pigs. You guys ever heard that before? Sounds kind of uh, abrasive, doesn't it? But what Jesus means is, don't give something precious to those who have no value for it and are simply going to trample it underfoot. Not only that, but there is also great benefit even in the process of seeking wisdom. Truly hunting for understanding of truth and God's wisdom as though you were looking for a hidden city of gold yields incredible blessing. Part of God's training program. I wonder if anyone's ever thrown, been thrown into a situation where maybe somebody asked you to do something that was outside of your comfort zone, lead a study, maybe at, maybe is at work or something like that, and you felt like, oh my goodness, I need to, I need to spend some time digging deep to figure out how to do this. And you found at the end of that process that you grew so much through that. Part of God's training programs, part of God's discipleship program is causing us and, and, and pushing us to seek after the blessing of wisdom. Well, what we see in verses 1 to 4 is a series of if statements that culminates in verse 5. It's a series of if statements that culminates with a then. So it's a conditional statement, a condition, a condition, a condition, a condition, and then a conclusion. And of course, the conclusion of the series of if statements is this. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And that's the key, right? That's the key to wisdom. That's the ba basic ruling principle of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We can't get to first base, but I would suggest we can't move beyond that without a fear of God and, a, and an increasing fear of God. So that's what we're going after. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the basic principle of wisdom. And all of your growth and wisdom, I think, will be connected to a true fear of the Lord. So these four if statements, verses 1 to 4, they're what, uh, what, what would be called a parallelisms. You guys ever heard of parallelisms? In Hebrew writing, this is a common technique where two statements are made that correspond to each other that help further clarify the main point. So sometimes it can be opposites. Sometimes it can be things that correspond that are the same. And it helps bring clarification to the main point. So the, verses 1 to 4, we see four of these parallelisms. Let's look at them. Verse 1. If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. 
If you receive my words, the word receive here is not primarily a passive word. It means to take hold of or to acquire or to receive. Even think, this may not be the best example, certainly not scriptural example, but th- even think of a wide a receiver in football. A receiver in football is doing more than just standing there, right? If they're a good receiver, they are going after the ball when it's thrown to them. And they're taking hold of it, right? They're seizing it. They want that ball. To receive the words of God is to lay hold of them for what they truly are, namely the very words of God. Absolutely true, authoritative, life-giving words of wisdom for our good. So if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. So what's this? This treasuring up. To treasure up God's commands. Now, to treasure could be used in two different ways. And I think they're connected. But one would be to highly value, which of course we should highly value God's word. I think the point here is to treasure in the sense that we store up, that we hide, that we lay up God's word. Like Psalm 119, verse 11, that says, I have stored up or treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The point here, verse 1, is that to receive God's words and commands and diligently store them up in our hearts. That's what, that's what the Father wants us to do, to diligently receive his words and commands and store them in our hearts. Verse 2, second parallelism, says this, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Attentive listening. Every parent knows what it is like to have a child who, for whatever reason, I'm sure no one here, this would apply to you, but for whatever reason, they're being unattentive when you're trying to give them important instructions. Maybe it's a two-year-old, you're saying, don't go in the street, and they're looking off at a bird flying or something. Um, Well, guess what? You and I can be unattentive too. It's not just little children. But if if there are any words that ought to command our attention, it's the words of God. I remember working with a man uh, years ago who, uh, who listened religiously to Rush Limbaugh. And he would listen daily. I mean, he would probably have his head, had, had his headphones in, in the office, or, or I think for a while he had a cl- enclosed office so he was able to listen to it quietly at his desk. But he, he listened religiously three hours a day, minus the commercials, of course. And if he didn't get his daily dose of three hours of rush, he was deprived. His ears were very attentive to Rush Limbaugh. We do the same thing. Our ears can be very attentive to a certain teacher, to a podcast, to a cultural commentator, or a political prognosticator. But let me ask you, when the word of God is read, either by you or someone else, Are you attentive? When the word of God is preached here on Sunday, are you attentive? Are you paying attention? 
Is there attentive listening? There ought to be. God is speaking. The second part speaks of an inclined heart to understanding. The psalmist in Psalm 119 teaches us to pray for an inclined heart. He said, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish or unjust gain. There's a reason why we should pray for this, and it's because we are not always inclined to God and to his word. Anyone who says they, they, they are is just not telling the truth. We're often distracted. We have other, other interests. Our hearts are inclined to other things. When I was 12 years old, 12, 13, probably between the age of 12 and 15, you're going to laugh about this, I could have told you the statistics of every one of my favorite football, basketball, and baseball players. I could have told you their height and their weight, their date of birth, where they were born, where they went to college, everything. Well, there's you know, private stuff I didn't know, but everything I could get about them, I could tell you. But I would have been the first 12 or 13 or 14-year-old boy who said when it comes to the Bible, ah, just, you know what, I just can't, it's just too hard, and I certainly can't memorize the Bible. Is that true, though? What's the truth? I didn't want to. I didn't want to. My heart was not inclined. My heart was inclined to a whole bunch of other things. It was not inclined to God and to his word. And so, that's the problem with us today when we make excuses like that. And it's good to just admit it. God, the reason why I don't dive into your word, the reason why I don't store it up in my heart is because I don't want to. And then repent of it and ask God's forgiveness and his help to move forward in victory. Because wisdom is at stake. We want wisdom, don't we? So we ought to cultivate an attentiveness to God's word. And if you struggle with attention deficit battles, I'm not going to say disorder, but battles, okay? Pray and ask for God's help. And then work to direct your mind to God's wisdom. Cultivate a heart that is inclined to God and to a true understanding of his word. And I think part of this inclined heart is that once we understand what God says, once we gain wisdom from his word, we don't argue with God, we don't argue with what he says, we don't try to change what he says. Rather, like Job, Job didn't actually say, I'm paraphrasing Job, we just need to say, you're God and I'm not. You are wise and I'm not. You're the creator, I'm the creature. I need to listen. I need your wisdom. Verse three, the the third parallelism says this, yes, if you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. What's this? What is it to call out for insight? And raise your voice for understanding. It's this, earnest prayer. Earnest prayer. 
if you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding. James tells us that if we lack wisdom, we should ask God, we should ask our Father for it. And it's not an either-or thing. It's not either we seek wisdom in the Word by hearing God speak to us, or we seek wisdom by prayer. It's both and. We seek wisdom by, by, with, our script, with the Scriptures open, listening to God speak to us, listening to His Holy Spirit teach us and instruct us, and then calling out to Him to give us understanding, to show us wisdom as we pour over His Word. Horatius Bonner, a Scottish preacher from the 19th century, said the following about this verse. He says, The Scriptures must be prayed over. In the study of the Scriptures, we must deal with God. He has the key for unlocking its chambers, the light for showing us all its recesses. We must go to Him and be taught. We must study it on our knees. And I remember hearing of a, uh, I can't remember, I think it might have been a guy named B.B. Warfield. He was a, uh, a theologian in the early 20th century. I believe it was him. He was having a conversation with a student. And the student said, why spend so much time in the Bible, reading the Bible, studying the Bible? Why, why not just, why not, I'd rather, I'd rather pray for 10 hours than study the Bible for an hour. And B.B. Warfield said, you mean... You'd rather pray for 10 hours than study the Bible in prayer for 10 hours? The point was, we study the scriptures. We commune with God. We're to do that, right? He speaks to us. We speak to him. We call out for his help and understanding. Wisdom comes to those who seek it in prayer, seeking the wisdom of God's word on our knees. And fourth, the fourth parallelism is in verse 4. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. When you're looking for wisdom, what are you looking for? When, you're, when, you, when the scriptures are open, you're saying, God, I need wisdom, help, show me wisdom. What are you looking for? An incalculable treasure. That's what you're looking for. God, open our eyes to see that. I wonder if there's some here like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> but that's what we're looking for. Truly. Right? When we find it, it's a treasure. We're to look for it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. We're to be like the, the Gates family, a national treasure. You know, that kooky family that's always looking for the city of gold or that hidden treasure. Who's seen that movie? It's a good movie. Ben Gates, right? He's always on, a hunt, on the hunt for that city of gold or that hidden treasure. Now listen, we need to look for the treasure which won't be easily found. We need to know that. We shouldn't expect little effort to yield, to yield great treasure. Proverbs 25.2. I've heard this verse many times, and I kind of think I understood it. it. It seemed to click this week in relation to this. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search it out. 
It's the glory of God to conceal things. It's the glory of kings to search things out. God hides the treasure of his wisdom, not from his children, but for his children. To be sought out and found. John Piper once said regarding the study of Scripture and discovering glorious truths, he said this. this I probably heard this 15 years ago, and it stayed with, just, I think of this often. He said, raking will give you leaves, but digging will yield diamonds. If we're content to rake, we'll get leaves. Who wants leaves? <laughs> All right. But if you're willing, except to jump in and burn, right? <laughs> ben raises hands. I want leaves. But, um, but if we're willing to dig, like we're looking for hidden treasure, God will give us diamonds. And so we're to be digging, searching, constantly on the hunt for the wisdom of God that we may walk in it. So we have these four conditions. If this, right? If, if you receive my words, if you treasure up my commandments with you, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding, yet if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. That's it. That's what we want, right? We want to know God such that we fear him, this loving, delightful, joy-producing, deepening, stabilizing fear of God so that we, we want to walk before him and please him in everything. We fear disappointing and displeasing our Father who is so gracious and kind and loving and good to us. It's the basic ruling principle of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, what more important thing could you expend yourself for than to get wisdom? And if someone would say, I'm, you know, I am so busy. What you're saying seems like that would be uh, require some effort and time. And amen, yes, it does. You might say, I'm really busy. Like, okay. But do you want to be a better husband, father, wife, mother? Do you want to be a better employer and better employee? Do you want to be better with your finances? Do you want to glorify God more consistently and, <clears throat> and so forth? Then expend yourself to be on a hunt for wisdom. The wisdom from above, it comes from the Father. It comes from a loving Father. It comes to God's children who earnestly seek it. So, let's get wisdom. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray, dear Lord, that these two realities, these two truths, that wisdom comes from you, comes from your mouth, Father, and it comes to those who seek it. I pray that we would hold those two things.